Welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you with us. Uh, this is one of our shows from the game night earlier this week. We talked to Lance Allen from TMJ4 Sports uh, about the Green Bay Packers. And then I wanted to talk some Wisconsin Badgers football with our friend Jay Kokorowski from BadgerBlitz.com. Hope you enjoy the show. Because you're either playing at Lambeau Field, which is iconic, or you're hosting the Green Bay Packers. As the day turns to night, 97.3 The Game isn't done talking about the teams you care about. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. You'll hear from the newsmakers and newsbreakers from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the world. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. This is the game night. Here's Doug Russell. Yeah, we're going to hear that a lot, by the way, over the next, I don't know, a couple of weeks or so. That was Aaron Rodgers earlier today on the Pat McAfee show talking about, hey, look, no matter what happens, the NFL is going to be pretty happy because the Green Bay Packers are right now the NFC's number one seed, and they've got the best record in the NFL. So no matter what. Because you're either playing at Lambeau Field, which is iconic, or you're hosting the Green Bay Packers. That's not bad, right? That's a pretty good one. I mean... Whatever we heard from Aaron Rodgers before this. Yeah, I've been immunized. Yeah, I can't even put that one to bed. I'd rather hear... Because you're either playing at Lambeau Field, which is iconic, or you're hosting the Green Bay Packers. Mm, I like that one better. Welcome in. It is the game night for the next 60 minutes here on 97.3 The Game. Sometimes I have questions for you guys, and I put them to you because I don't claim to know everything about everything. And one of the things that I have kind of been scratching my head about over the last, I don't know, when was our last show? Yeah, we were on Friday night. So we don't do Monday shows during the football season. Uh, We'll be back on Mondays coming up after football season is over. But we have been playing Christmas music. I mean, we have just been playing regular bumps the whole time. And I was wondering whether or not you guys wanted to, you know, get into the Christmas spirit at all, perhaps. So I put it out there on Twitter. You can feel free to find me on Twitter, at Doug Russell. It's very simple. It's just my name. I'm pretty easy to find on Twitter. And the question was pretty simple. It's, should we be playing Christmas bumpers the rest of the week? Now, I'm not going to play them beyond the week. We've got a full station, 95.7, here just down the hall, 20 steps from where I'm sitting right now. They will play Christmas music for you all day and all night long. So, I'm wondering, do you want to hear Christmas bumper music? I mean, yes, tis the season, or no, we need a break. 70% to 30%. Yeah, tis the season. Bring on the Christmas music. This time of year, All right, asking you shall receive. Welcome into the game night, by the way. Uh, Lance Allen from TMJ4. He will join us coming up in just a few minutes. We'll hear more from Aaron Rodgers coming up in just a few minutes, as well as he uh, was on the Pat McAfee show. A rare double dip for Aaron because he also had his weekly media availability. And that was just simply because the Packers play on Saturday instead of Sunday. So they kind of shift everything and shuffle the deck 
as far as who is available when to talk to whom. The Packers were going to have a practice today. Instead, they chose to not have a practice today. There is so much going on right now with COVID in sports, and I have a theory. Now, this is not an original theory. This was uh, someone tweeted this to me, and I hadn't really thought about it until I thought about it. And credit to one of you guys out there who asked me the question, and you know, you were just curious as to my thoughts on the players, the athletes who have gotten vaccinated, not immunized like Aaron Rodgers, but you know, they've gotten the shot. Some like to call it the jab, whatever you want to call it. I don't particularly think that the jab is pejorative. Others do. Um, Why so many vaccinated athletes were coming down with COVID? One of the things that I think that we've learned about COVID and the vaccines um, and the science is evolving. So, you know, I'm not going to cast any aspersions or, you know, throw any stones at anybody. I know that that's. You know, we've got another we've got another station down the hall that does that, but that's not me. This is a safe space for politics. We don't talk politics on this show because this is a welcoming place for all viewpoints. Uh, it appears as though the Johnson and Johnson shot isn't very damn effective. <laughs> Sorry, it just does not appear to be that effective long term. Maybe in the short term, but perhaps not in the long term. Remember, it's just the one shot, and then you were supposedly done. That shot works differently in your body than the mRNA vaccines in the Moderna shot, which I have. I've gotten three now three shots of Moderna. I had my booster last week. We talked about it on the show. That was a it's <laughs> an interesting six or seven hours uh, after that. Still recommend doing it, but you know you do you. Uh, and also the Pfizer shot. Those seem to be much more effective at putting this thing at bay than the J&J shot. My speculation is, knowing athletes, as I do, having been around them for the last 30 or so years, I think most of them, and we'll never know unless they volunteer the information, many have said, yes, I'm fully vaccinated, but what does fully vaccinated mean? Fully vaccinated, for so many of us, has meant If you get the Johnson & Johnson shot two weeks after that, you are considered fully vaccinated. I think that's what most athletes did. Because it's the simplest one. It's the easiest one. You don't have to go back in two weeks for another shot. And it's out of sight, out of mind. But again, as we have seen, as the science has evolved, eh, might not be the most effective at keeping this thing at bay. I think that's part of the reason we're seeing all of these outbreaks. I, you know, again, I'm speculating and I'm I'm sitting here fully saying that I do not have the facts in front of me because the players haven't volunteered that information. That having been said, the Packers today placed MVS on the reserve COVID list and the Packers are one of the least uh, affected teams right now with COVID-19. Now, of course, Aaron Rodgers had to miss a game earlier this season. Uh, Kenny Clark had to miss last week. There's no word as to whether or not he has cleared the team uh, or cleared the the protocols to rejoin the team. Packers are supposed to take on the Browns on Sunday. They've had a major outbreak, so much so that they had to postpone their latest game until last night. That gives the Browns an even shorter week to prepare for Christmas Day. 
in all, right now, there are more than 140 NFL players on the reserve COVID list. Here's from another sport, from basketball. The NBA is telling teams to brace for possible changes to the Christmas Day schedule. That includes the Bucks. At least for now, they're slated to host the Celtics on Christmas Day at 1.30. That's almost a perfect dovetail because you, you figure an NBA game is about two hours, give or take. So you watch your, your NBA game, you watch the Bucks and the Celtics, and then you just flip channels from ABC over to Fox, and then you've got, no, I guess that might be a CBS game. Okay, so you flip it from ABC over to CBS, and you've got the Packers taking on the Cleveland Browns or whomever's televising the game. I think it's I think it's CBS, but that doesn't matter. Neither here nor there. Currently, between the Bucks and the Celtics, there are ten players in the NBA's health and safety protocols. That includes Giannis Adetokounmpo. That includes Bobby Portis. For that matter, it also includes Jabari Parker, who now plays for the Boston Celtics. Someday is going to be a trivia question. Name all the teams that. Jabari Parker is suited up for. But, you know, Giannis, Bobby Portis, Dante DiVincenzo, Wesley Matthews Jr., those are the, the players that are on the Bucks COVID list. Uh, today, Mike Budenholzer reported no new additions to the COVID list. That's the good news. The bad news is he also couldn't report anyone coming off the list either. Uh, tomorrow night, the Bucks are scheduled to host the Houston Rockets. We'll see if that happens. More games have been banged in the last 24 hours by the NBA and the NHL. Meanwhile, they're pausing all games until after Christmas as a precaution. In all, 44 games have already been postponed by the NHL. 15% of NHL players are in the COVID protocol. 15%! So, right now, it is affecting everything that's going on in sports. All right, let's get to Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show earlier today. Uh, The first thing, or one of the first things that Pat McAfee wanted to talk about was the number 442. That's the number of touchdown passes that Aaron Rodgers has as a member of the Green Bay Packers. That's also the same number of touchdowns that Brett Favre has as a member of the Green Bay Packers. Did you have your thoughts on that number at all? Did you know this number was a thing coming up? I feel like for a lot of us, it kind of sideswiped. I didn't know this was even a thing coming. I mean, I knew it was a thing uh, that I was getting closer to a few years ago. Um, And I thought about it, I don't know, maybe a month and a half ago. I was wondering, I couldn't remember what the number was. And Tom Fanning, I think, was like, hey, uh, you know, you're getting close to 442. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, what am I at? And he told me, and I was like, okay, you know. Because I knew I needed around 30-something to, to get there starting the season, but I just hadn't even thought about it for weeks. But that's a lot of damn touchdowns, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of tons, dude. Congrats, by the way. Yeah. Congrats, Iron. Go ahead, AJ. Hey, do you remember uh, every every touchdown you've thrown? And I would assume, like, do you know every interception you've thrown, too? Can you remember? Can you recall? Oh, no, nah, probably not every single one. I mean, if you probably teed me up on uh, – I'd probably need to be teed up on some of them to – to remember every single one, but I, I probably remember some of the bigger ones. Interceptions, uh, same thing. You know, I'd probably need to be teed up on on a few of them, but I can definitely remember, you know, some of the real ugly ones or, or bad ones. Same with uh, touchdowns. The flip side, you remember like the great ones and the milestones and the special plays or great throws or great catches. Something, you know, sometimes if you just throw a 
you know, there, there's some not throwaway ones, but just less kind of impressive ones. You kind of come out on a fake and the guy's white ass open. And, you know, you didn't really do it. It's all like schematic and stuff. But then there's some where you make a great, great throw or a great read or a great check or a guy makes incredible, you know, 50 50 contested ball catch and or a guy, you know, turns a, you know, Eddie Lacy turns a four yard screen pass into a 60 yard touchdown in 2014. Like, you know, you, there's some where you didn't do a whole lot. Uh, and then there's some where there's extraordinary plays from certain guys. Of course, there's a big difference between Aaron Rodgers' 442 touchdowns and Brett Favre's 442 touchdowns. It's interceptions. Brett is the NFL's all-time leader in throwing picks. And as we all know, Aaron doesn't throw interceptions. Turns out he never has. I think it's ingrained in, in my brain as a young player that if you turn the ball over, you're not going to play. And I didn't feel like that I was ever in a situation where until I got to Green Bay, and I mentioned this just a little bit ago in my press conference, the, the being around Brett was the first time that I realized there was somebody who was actually better than me at quarterback in the same room. Now, I had some great competitions, you know, a competition in college, uh, a competition at, at JUCO, uh, not really a competition in, in high school, but but in the back of my mind, I was always thinking, if I turn the ball over a bunch, doesn't matter if this guy can't play anywhere near as good as me, you know, they're going to go with a guy who's, who's, who's not going to do that. So it was always kind of deep in, in, in my, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, like I got to take care of the football at all costs. Now I think you learn in the process of that, how, how to mitigate the risk of turnovers. And there's some that you can definitely take it, uh, you know, take ownership of and some that you, you can, you know, but I think most of the, uh, the most obvious ones are, we touch the ball in every play. So when you're running with the ball, when you have the ball in the, in the pocket, there are things you can do to avoid, you know, fumbles. I, I think I've been, you know, especially the last few years, really good in the pocket of not having, you know, I haven't uh, haven't had any fumbles uh, to date really in the pocket. I think I've fumbled, uh, you know, fumbled twice. Once was given to me on a handoff. I don't know if they counted the A.J. Dillon one, but, but taking care of the ball is really important. Uh, in the pocket, and then when you're throwing the football, there's ways of uh, of lowering the percentage of interceptions. And I think you, what you just want to do at quarterback is eliminate the bad ones, you know, the, the easy ones. You know, if, if a guy makes a great play on the ball, that's awesome. But eliminate the blind throws that turn interceptions, the late down the middle throws turn interceptions, uh, premeditated decisions that turn interceptions. If you can eliminate those, you know, then you hopefully avoid the tip picks and the and the drop ball picks, which can happen to anybody. Um, but if, you, if you're accurate with the football, I think you lower the percentage on, on some of those as well. And that's what's vaulted Aaron Rodgers in part back into the MVP race. He might be the front runner. Patrick Mahomes is having a nice little surge, but Tom Brady has gone down a little bit. Jonathan Taylor, the former Wisconsin Badger, although it typically doesn't go to a running back, but if it doesn't go to a quarterback, it does go to a running back. That's just the way the votes go, whether you think that that's right or not. Defensive player hasn't won MVP. I think it's only once. Well, no, I think it's happened a couple of times, but I think the last player to do it was Lawrence Taylor back in the 1980s, which was, you know, a lifetime ago for all of these players, including Aaron Rodgers. All right. Uh, he was also asked, Aaron was, by Pat McAfee earlier today about, hey, look, you guys are 11 and 3 right now. You're in pretty good shape no matter what, right? That's the way things go in general with us. We travel so well. Uh, and we fed, obviously we have uh, the prestige of the organization that we play for. And I don't mean age could probably uh, vouch for me on this one, but I've always felt like we always get everybody's best shot. 
You know, there's not a lot of laydown games where teams just don't show up and play. You know, because you're either playing at Lambeau Field, which is iconic, or you're hosting the Green Bay Packers. Hey, there was a Go Pack Go chant, it sounded like, and they're pretty oh, yeah. loud on TV. Well, we, that's what we do. We travel so well. You know, we really do. we got an incredible fan base. It's all over the place. There's Packer bars all over the country and the world. I've been to one in Paris, you know, we uh, in a few off-seasons ago, and, and they're, they're all over. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, there he goes, Aaron Rodgers, earlier today on the Pat McAfee Show. And look, the Packers travel better than anybody else in the NFL, and that's why Packers fans are the best in the world. And that's why you hear those Go Pack Go chants. Too much? Nah. It's the Christmas song for crying out loud. Lance Allen's coming up next. Stay with us. It's the game night. Your tired carols being sung by a choir. The game night continues on on this Tuesday night. The Packers, at least as we sit here right now, we think they're going to wind up playing the Cleveland Browns on Christmas Day. 3.30 kickoff at Lambeau Field. But as we've seen over the course of the last, I don't know, 72 hours maybe, nothing is for sure when it comes to scheduling uh, any kind of sporting event, whether it's the NFL, whether it's the NHL, which are on pause, the NBA, the Bucks have four players, including Giannis, still in COVID protocols as well. One guy who is not in the COVID protocols, he is one of our Green and Gold insiders, Lance Allen from TMJ4 Television, joins us here on the game night. Lance, appreciate the time. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Doug. I'm negative, but I'm not a negative guy, if you know what I mean. So I, I'm, I'm all good. I'm I, doing well over here, so it's good to hear. I do know what you mean, and you are one of the positive ones out there. And I'm also positive that the Green Bay Packers have the best record in the NFL. They're 11-3, and despite not having David Bakhtiari the entire year, despite not having Zadarius Smith for what amounts to the entire season. J.R. Alexander's been out. Robert Tunyon's been out. Josh Myers has been out. In more recent weeks, Billy Turner has been out. Elton Jenkins has been out. Kenny Clark missed last week because of COVID. This team is a walking wounded, and yet, still, somehow, they have the best record in the NFL. Can you make heads or tails of this? Deep roster. Um, you know, it's not always the popular thing to say, Doug, but when have I ever said the, the popular thing? And... Uh, a lot of credit has to go to Brian Gutekunst and his staff. Um, yes, a lot of it is Aaron Rodgers playing at an all-worldly level. That You have to have quality quarterback play, and you do. And you have to have a good running back, and Aaron Jones in addition to A.J. Dillon, and an you know, all-pro receiver, Devontae Adams, and really good defensive performances for the most part. But the way you survive injuries is a deep roster. And when you're down to your third-string you know, left tackle in Yash Nyman, uh, because Bakhtiari and Jenkins are both injured and out, at least at this point. And when you've had so much offensive line shuffling and you had Jair Alexander go down, who's arguably an all-pro cornerback, and you bring in Rasul Douglas and he makes plays, and Zadaria Smith, who's arguably an all-pro level, you know, rush linebacker, outside linebacker, go down, 
and you, you know your production doesn't fall off off immensely off a cliff. I mean, to me, depth has really helped carry this team to 11-3. and All right, then, in that same vein, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers for just a second. If you would have asked me just a couple of weeks ago whether or not I thought that he was in line for his second straight MVP, his fourth overall MVP, probably would have said, eh, I think his numbers are very good. I don't know that they're quite there yet. You look at what Tom Brady has been able to do at, what, I think he's 44 years old and coming off a Super Bowl winning season with his new team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I probably would have said Brady, but he's slipped in the last couple of weeks. I know that there are a couple of other guys that are out there as well. Patrick Mahomes, he's a former MVP. He slipped last season, but he's been coming on strong as well. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, when you look at him and you look at his numbers and you look at the fact that the Packers have the best record in the NFL, I don't think it's out of the question at all that he could be in line for his fourth MVP. I'm with you, Doug. You know, a lot of times I like to, I think of it like statistical studies and surveys and polls. You look at the long range or multiple factors or interview multiple people to get the most accurate story or the most accurate look at things. So I'm going to be hypocritical and say that I, in a short sample size, Aaron Rodgers jumped ahead of the pack, meaning this last week, Tom Brady gets shut out and Kyler Murray and the Cardinals have an inexplicable uh, loss to the Lions. And Jonathan Taylor, for whatever reason, running backs just don't get the love in the MVP race as what they used to. So And the way you look at it is Aaron Rodgers has been unbelievably consistent, unbelievably excellent for a a large stretch of time. And I do believe that, you know, you look at the whole season and the whole body of work, but in the last week, I think Aaron Rodgers has nudged ahead of the rest of the field in the MVP race. Now, that's not bad either for a guy who, I mean, he has multiple hats. He's the Packers' general manager, as we've seen as he engineered the Randall Cobb trade. He owns the Chicago Bears, another team in the division. (laughs) It's been a pretty remarkable season for Aaron. In all seriousness, though, I mean, what about, I bring up Randall Cobb for a reason, and you brought up Rasul Douglas a couple of moments ago, and there are other guys that, you know, Jalen Smith didn't work out, and, and he was subsequently released after a couple of weeks. Whitney Merciless brought in as a veteran. A number of teams wanted him. He got injured and certainly the Packers could use his disrupting force uh, getting to the quarterback on the defensive side of the ball. But I bring all of these guys up because it seems as though Brian Gutekunst this year, and I think that you're right to bring him up and credit him for building this deep roster, but in your opinion, did he need to get nudged a little bit by Aaron Rodgers to be a little bit more aggressive, perhaps, in bringing some of these veteran players in? Whereas in the in the past, it seemed as though it was literally next man up, as in just find somebody and pluck him off our own practice squad and, and sign him for the rest of the season. I don't think that Brian Gutekunst is a clone of Ted Thompson, Doug, and maybe that's just me. I think he's been a combination of Ted and Ron, his two mentors and his two predecessors, meaning let's look back to when he first came in. When he first came in, he signed Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, Billy Turner, Adrian Amos. How often in NFL history, I'd, I'd beg anybody to go and look at this, how often do you sign four free agents and hit on all four of them and, and, and logically and possibly argue that all four of them have outperformed their contracts? 
That that does not happen in the NFL. Doug, you've been around the NFL a long time. Free agent busts are very common. In fact, there's more busts than people who live up to the contract or complete the entire contract in the NFL when you go outside the organization and sign with free agency. And I think that's why Ted Thompson was so reluctant to do that on a number of occasions, unless it was like a Ryan Pickett or a Charles Woodson or somebody who was a special talent. But the Packers clearly did their homework on these four guys and all four of them have been starters and key contributors. That doesn't happen on a regular basis, if at all. So I would argue that, you know, yes, there are times where the Packers are still a draft and develop team. Rashawn Gary and, you know, certain people that they have drafted and really wanted to groom into larger roles. And it's worked Absolutely. out for Rashawn Gary, though, too. I mean, he's a guy that they yeah. initially were criticized for, but Rashawn Gary's come on strong this season. Well, yeah, and you, and you know, Doug, I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but, you know, a lot of people thought that he underachieved at Michigan, and he wasn't as good as the, you know, some rating services had him as the number one overall pick, uh, or, or I should say number one overall pick, the number one recruit in the nation, and he just never seemed like he lived up to that. Um, but, you know, the, and a lot, of, a lot of heat was thrown at the Packers' way to say, what are you doing? I mean, this, this guy, you know, he, he might be okay, but he's never lived up to that, and all of a sudden now – he, every year he continues to get better. So, yeah, I, you got to give credit where credit's due. I, I do think there have been some mistakes, and, and one thing that I think Brian Gutekunst could have done is probably listen more to his veterans. Like, uh, you know, part of the problem stemmed from the drafting of Jordan Love and maybe not reaching out to Aaron Rodgers right away and saying, hey, we'll talk about this down the road. we got to do this right now. We just feel like this guy is too good of a talent to pass up, kind of like when you were drafted. And we'll we'll talk, you know, um, communication could always be better. But as far as signing the Rasul Douglases and, you know, like you mentioned, Whitney Merciless, you almost forget about him because he had a, a nice stretch there for three or four weeks until he got injured. Randall Cobb, same thing. You sign older free agents, you run the risk of having them getting injured and not completing the season. And that's some poison that you play with and the poison that you pick. Uh, but I do think he has been very good at supplying and supplementing the depth on this team. So then the question becomes, is it still a fait accompli that Aaron Rodgers forces a trade because the you know both sides a fait of what? A fait accompli. That, that's the Oshkosh education. I know you you know Madison's supposed to be a good school, Lance. Uh, but <laughs> Yeah, I, I know. It's Ivy League, man. I know. I yeah, know. yeah, absolutely. So is it a done deal? We'll put it that way. Is it uh, a foregone conclusion that Aaron Rodgers is still going to be playing for another team after this season is over? It seems as though, and it depends, I guess, on who you believe. I mean, the you know, a couple of weeks ago on Sunday Night Football, Chris Collinsworth was effusive in saying how great Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst's new relationship was. They're dapping each other up on the practice field, and it's kumbaya, and they're, you know, they're all smoking the peace pipe. But when all <laughs> is of a sudden, doing? <laughs> don't the kids do these days, Doug? I think so. Something like that. At the end of the day, at the end of the season. In your opinion, as I know this is a guess and I'm not going to hold you to it, but do you think that there's a chance that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers can put their differences aside for even another year and run this thing back again, whether they win the Super Bowl this year or not? Obviously, that's the goal. Yeah, I think there's definitely a chance and there's probably a greater chance than what there was before, to be totally honest about it. Um, I do think that there has been 
you know, some thawing or, or some, you know, mending of the fences and the cracks and things like that. Um, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he's here next year, but I do think that there have been some, uh, you know, some uh, fences mended, bridges built, things like that. Um, and the other thing I always look at, Doug, is where is Aaron Rodgers now? Okay, he will have the ultimate leverage if they win the Super Bowl. He wins his fourth MVP. Obviously, Brian Gutekinds does not want to be labeled as the guy who ran the reigning MVP out the door. And I believe he would be the only MVP, reigning MVP, that would be traded if that certainly happened. And you don't want to run him out the door if he wins a Super Bowl. So Aaron Rodgers could have the ultimate leverage if both of those things happen. But on the flip side, um, where is Aaron Rodgers going to go that is a better situation? The Denver Broncos aren't a better situation. They're not a better team from top to bottom. The Steelers are a good team, a decent team, but are they better from head to toe uh, than the Green Bay Packers? No. And I, and I would argue any any logical situation, any reasonable or realistic situation for Aaron Rodgers to go to, I, I don't think the, the overall team depth is appreciably better than the Green Bay Packers. Lance Allen joining us for just a couple more moments from TMJ4 here on the game night. All right, as I mentioned at the top, the Packers have the best record in NFL, in the NFL at 11-3. and They've got three other teams, though, in the NFC that are nipping at their heels. Although Arizona's been playing just awful football over the last three or four weeks or so, they've dropped they are, down. We to, thought they were done. Right now, they kind of are. The late Dennis Green, he was prophetic, no, no question. Tampa Bay, 10-4. and They've been up and down. They got shut out, as you mentioned, on Sunday. Sunday as well. The team that intrigues me the most is Mike McCarthy's Dallas Cowboys. They've won three straight. All of a sudden, they're ten and four. They're nipping at the Packers' heels. Of those teams, and you know, you can throw the Rams in there if you want. They're nine and four. But of any of those teams, who should the Packers be most concerned about when the playoffs roll around? In your opinion, probably the Cowboys because you've got the revenge factor of Mike McCarthy, and you've got the defense. Micah Parsons led defense, but they've got a defense that's really playing well. So that is the one that's kind of delicious to me is you've got Mike McCarthy that could possibly stand in the way of the Packers going back to the Super Bowl. Uh, But that being said, even though it was really ugly for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, I also say, Doug, until you slay the dragon or until the champion is defeated, they're still the champs. So that, that to me, is going to be interesting to see how they react and respond to being, being shut out. They could be a very wounded, angry animal going forward. So that will be bear-watching to see if they can recover from that embarrassment this late in the season. He is Lance Allen. Catch him on TMJ4. Lance, we appreciate the time, appreciate the insights. And not only will we look for you on television, but also we will see you on Lawn Wars uh, coming up next year. I think it's going to be a great reality show that you and Vinny are going to (laughs) be filming. That's what you guys should do. It should be a reality show, just Lawn Wars between the the two of you clowns. I think it it would be a a Netflix series that would make good money, and I do agree that we're both clowns. We're Barnum and Bailey. I don't want to disgrace the the great legacy of all the circuses in in this state and the Ringling Brothers or whatever, but we are clowns. Absolutely. Well, you're our clown. Lance Allen from TMJ4 Sports joining us here on the game night. Lance, appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Doug. All right, there he goes. Lance Allen from TMJ4 Sports and coming to Lawn Wars near you. That's a great name for a reality show on Netflix, isn't it? Lawn Wars.
Netflix will put anything on the air nowadays, won't they? Lance Allen from TFJ4 Sports joining us here on the game night. Stay with us. More coming up. Welcome back in. It's the game night. Doug Russell with you. Coming to you live from the Iron Jock Studios. Iron Jock has a gift for you now through December 26th, the day after Christmas. Take 25% off with promo code IJXmas25. I'll break that down for you so it's easy to remember. IJ for Iron Jock. Xmas for Christmas. You know, X-M-A-S, Xmas. 25 for 25% off. That's how you remember it. IJXmas25. Just buy $75 or more. Enter promo code IJXmas25 at checkout. And 25% off comes off of your entire order. Go to ironjock.com. That's ironjoc.com. But more importantly, let's listen to a little bit more Boys to Men, shall we? Oh, so good! So good! This is the request of our next guest from BadgerBlitz.com. We welcome to the proceedings, good friend of the program, Jake Kokorowski. Jake, outstanding choice, my man. I am, for those that know me, Boys to Men is my favorite group. Ever since I was a kid, my first album that I bought, it was on cassette. For those that remember cassettes, uh, the two album uh, was my, you know, that's the first one I bought with my own money. Uh, we saw them at the Overture Center here in with Madison maybe three, four years ago. And, you know, it was just, it was fantastic. Uh, so that, yeah, every time I get a chance to hear some Christmas music, the boys to men, let it snows on there, uh, among others. Kelly Clarkson's amazing too with uh, some of her, with her recent album too. So I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere with my, my, my music. Well, that's fair. It is the last song that boys to men play. The encore is, it's so hard to say goodbye. Is that the last, I mean, because if it's not their walk off, they're doing something wrong. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what it was back. I, end of the road, maybe? That. Maybe end of the road. You know, they had the classic hits. You know, I mean, they had the I'll Make Love to You, uh, which is really weird for a fourth grader who bought that cassette to know what that meant. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, really, like, my parents are like, what, what are you listening to? I'm like, I, this is, this is, they, you know, I saw the music video. Just like, they, there's a music video. And then uh, <laughs> uh, I, I digress. From there, Doug. But it's it how is Jake a, grew up. For me, it was Fast Times yeah. at Ridgemont High. For you, it was Boys to Men. You know, it's it's all the same. Six to one half dozen to the other. <laughs> but yeah, but regardless, a great concert, and I think it might have been like either. I think it might have been end of the road uh, that they they finished up there. All right, it's got to be either that. It's either it's so hard to say goodbye or end of the road. Uh, anything other than that, you know, I think. I think they're doing it wrong, but what do I know? Jay Kokorowski, senior writer from Badger Blitz, joining us here uh, on the game night. All right, so th- this week has kind of marked the return. I know that some of the players just started talking to us last week as well, but this kind of marks the return of, okay, this is it's Badger football week again. It's a little bit more relaxed because they have so much time, more than a month between the last game of the season and the bowl game. What's your assessment of this team and their preparation as they get set for Arizona State and Las Vegas? Right. I think the, you know, I think the energy is going to be there uh, coming up uh, and whatnot. I mean, you know, what you kind of touched on it too with the, the practices. You know, it sounds like based off of talking to some of the players, we've had vast amounts of availability in the past week. So kudos to Wisconsin for allowing us to talk to offensive, defensive players, uh, you know, in the past two weeks, along with, you know, the assistant coaches for, yeah, during uh, the early signing period. But, 
uh, you know, we, you got to get the sense that the younger players got a lot of reps last week. And now the tension is going to be starting to turn more and more towards the bowl prep or to hold the actual bowl prep in terms of the opponent preparation with Arizona state. So, uh, you know, but you, you heard a lot of good things uh, about some of the younger players. Like you had an article on Badger blitz. It was only about three, maybe four ish practices. And I believe that they had, but I, you know, I had asked some of the older players, some of the more veteran players, just who they thought was stood out, uh, whether younger or older, or, you know, the variation of questions that we, we, when we clarified those on our, you know, on the article, but, you know, a name like Marcus Allen, who's a former four-star wide receiver, really started to shine. You, you're seeing, uh, you, know, um, you know, people are talking about Deacon Hill's big arm. You know, he's a, the California quarterback that signed with the last year's 2021 class. And I had a chance to talk with him today and whatnot um you know but the big name was marcus allen but you know it's also a chance for guys to you know during the, even though they didn't win the big 10 west it was a chance for them to kind of heal up uh gear up you know and kind of get right you know physically and obviously take care of some stuff with the you know the, the school side because obviously they're student athletes so uh but yeah i think the energy will be there coming up uh, you know it's a game in a great stadium a new stadium an allegiant stadium and uh, down in las vegas and you know really if it wasn't for the, for the flight prices you know i'm wondering how many more people would be down there uh for that because i think a lot of people are intrigued by you know and i wouldn't say necessarily the matchup but you know because i think Arizona state will be good but i think it's more about you know going down to vegas and then seeing a, a gorgeous stadium that you know that was just built Vegas is one of my favorite places, one of my favorite cities. I'm not going to the game. I've got some other stuff that I've got to do. But I'd lo- as much as I'd love to, if anyone is going down to the game, go to a restaurant. Uh, it's behind the Flamingo. It's called Batista's Hole in the Wall. I'm telling you, you, it's the best Italian food. It is a little hole in the wall. It's where all the celebrities go. I mean, you can get out of there, two people, for... I don't know, 70 bucks, including the tip. And you get all the wine you can drink. You can get a great freshly made Italian meal. You get cappuccino. I mean, just chef's kiss the whole time. So if you're going down there, that one's on me. Oh, that sounds, that sounds fantastic. Unfortunately, we won't be able to get down there. Uh, but, you know, we'll make sure. Yeah, that sounds absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's just one of those things, too, where, you know, like I said, you know, I think Arizona State's going to be a great opponent coming up and, you know, in Pac-12 and Wisconsin's going to have to defend Jaden Daniels, uh, like Mertz, a highly touted 2019 signee, uh, but for obviously for the Pac-12 program, and uh, Wisconsin going to have to defend a, a dual threat quarterback and try to do it better than they did against Adrian Martinez last month. So, I mean, it's going to be a good matchup. I think it's going to be intriguing, especially with the Arizona State defense. It's pretty stout against the run, too. Uh, so, you know, I think it's going to be a good matchup, and but I think it's a good chance for Wisconsin to come away to end the season on a, another note and another nine-plus win outing, you know, in the tenure of Paul Chris. Do you get the sense that the team is either focused or maybe a little bit peeved off about how the season ended because they had such a high going into that Minnesota game and they played like absolute, I mean, I I won't tell you, I can't say exactly what Jeff Patrikas described it as. They didn't play well, we'll say, against Minnesota and they got their heads handed to them. Are they focused? Did that focus them at all from the sense that you get? Um, what's the attitude of the team after that Minnesota game heading into the Las Vegas Bowl against Arizona State? Right. And, you know, yeah. And good for you for being careful on the FCC violation, my friend. Right. Uh, well, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll really let it fly on the podcast. So we'll. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Doug here. Uh, Since this is the podcast, I'm 
just a quick interrupter. Uh, the word that Jeff Patrikis used to describe the Badgers in their regular season finale against Minnesota, uh, the word was dog shit, as in they played like dog shit. So you can't say that on the radio, but this being the podcast, you I feel like I'm over-explaining myself. But anyway, that was the descriptor. Just wanted to quickly cut in to let you know exactly. That's, the, I guess, the advantage of listening to the podcast. Uh, not that I don't want you to listen to the radio show, but I can't say dog shit on the radio, but I can hear. Uh, on the pod so again over explaining myself back to the show uh you know really though doug you know you talk about yeah it was i don't know if it really refocused them or whatnot because it's such a big layoff right and I, I didn't necessarily get a chance to talk to the players about if it's you know if it riles them up to to finish but i think you know they do want to finish on a high note this is a this is a, this is a chance for a this is the last time these group of players are going to play with each other right because you have players that are graduating uh, players that, you know, are, are moving on, uh, whether to the real life or the NFL or, you know, even gosh, you know, I mean, Grant Wisconsin's had the, you know, the, the, you know, a bit of abundance of, of, tra- of transfers throughout the season, even though they won't be with the team in Las Vegas. But, you know, this is the last time like this group of players will be able to be around each other. And, you know, there's always turnaround and, you know, new players and just a new iteration of a, of a program. Uh, com- coming up so I think it's you know they want to play for each other this group you know uh, I think Tyler Beach told me last week that he felt this group is really tight and whatnot and you know no one else is for that matter Doug you know I haven't heard of an opt-out by Wisconsin I know that you know I'd, at least uh, with Arizona State's standout running back Rashad White I, I, okay, I believe he told the Pac-12 network after, you know after their win against Arizona that you know he was not going to play in the bowl game so you know and there's I think It'll be interesting to see what Arizona, what they have to deal with in terms of players opting out. But Wisconsin, I haven't, we haven't heard anything. So, I mean, the fact that they want to play for each other, you know, I think that speaks volumes uh, and playing one more game and go, trying to go out with a win. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the opt-outs because three Arizona State players are opting out. And we, like you said, haven't heard any of, I suppose we probably would have by now if there were going to be any Badgers that opt out. I, I hate that. I, I to me, it's and I also hate it from the coach's standpoint when they bail before the end of the season as well when they bail uh, before the bowl season whether it's Lincoln Riley or any other coach that is uh, deciding that they're going to move on I don't care if you move on I would just prefer it like in every single other sport on the planet if you're going to leave do it after the season is there anything that college football in your opinion if you were the the lord of the NCAA, if you got to you know be Mark Emmert only with more power for a single day, is there anything that college football can do to stop players from opting out of these bowl games? The only thing that I can come up with is you flat out pay them whatever the the schools are getting for the bowl games. You cut these players a check, all of them. And I don't care if it's twenty grand. I don't care if it's thirty grand for some of the big ones. But when you've got Pitt's quarterback Kenny Pickett, he's opting out of the Peach Bowl, a New Year's Six game for crying out loud to go. I I think that's I hate that as part of college football. Yeah, you know, and it's you know. By the way, yeah, I'll reference Talladega Nights or don't put that evil on me. Trans- <laughs> trans- <laughs> don't put that evil on me, Doug Russell. Uh, yeah. So, but within that you have a team, you know, I guess maybe I'll, re- I'll look at it another way. If I had the power to, it might be pushing back the early signing period, uh, depending upon, you know, maybe to a month before, you know, a month to like January after all the games are done. Okay. But, you know, because that's why you're seeing the Lincoln. I mean, a lot of it, you know, in my eyes, in my opinion, 
It's because of just landscape of you're trying to get a new class in this early signing period. You know, the, the official national signing day for everybody, it's the first Wednesday of February. But back, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was the class, it was 2017, 2018, they had basically instituted this early signing period. So mid December, you're able to, you know, sign early. And so that's kind of become the de facto signing day. Wisconsin signed 14 players, scholarship players, and that in the now seven walk-ons with that class, right? So you're looking, you know, so that's depending on what happens there. Like it's kind of after the dust settles. Well, then you, you know, you've seen players like a Jalen Berger, you know, sign later, or uh, I think Rashad Wild Goose was another one that you know signed that that second, uh, you know, the official national signing day. So I think that in my eyes, if I was Emirate or, you know, even the committee, the NCAA council, you know, pushing that back might be something where then, other, you know, those coaches need to stay. But regardless, of, even if it's, it's a month, you're still going to get those coaches trying to get on the recruiting trail to try to change around those classes. And, you know, you've seen that with Lincoln Riley at USC, et cetera, and whatnot. So, you know, it, it, that's hard there. Uh, in terms of players, you know, I guess I'll be on the other side with you. Like, I'm not, to me, if the coaches can do that, and can just leave the program. You know, the players should have that option too. And I oh, like I said, I hate it for both of them. I, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not letting yeah. the coaches off the hook here at all. Right. No. Oh, I. Oh, I know. I know, Doug. But it's, it's one of those things where you know, it just just in case there's uh, an injury. And I know. I mean, the players. You know, Wisconsin. You know, they they haven't had anybody up out. If there's anyone that's not going to play, it's, it's going to be due to injury. And there's going to be you know, one person to watch would be for that is Logan Bruss, who you know had a foot injury. And I was talking to him today about it. Um, you know, thinks he suffered it against the Rutgers game. He's been playing through it. So we'll see, you know, what, if he's able to play, because, you know, obviously he's a, he, he sounds like he wants to play, obviously, but if it's health-wise and he's going to go, to, you know, test out the NFL waters too. So, uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, so that's just something to watch on an injury front for Wisconsin's line where Tanner Bordellini would have that opportunity then to play, you know, uh, to, to probably play over at right tackle. Uh, which he's done already this season. But, yeah, I think it's just, you know, when there's injury risks and some of those players could be top 10 picks. And if you get injured, you tear an ACL, well, you know, like your draft stock's going to drop drastically, even though the advances in in surgery and medical uh, knowledge and and techniques, you're you're still going to be out a vast majority of the year for the ACL. Look at, you know, look at David Bakhtiari, right, Uh, dealing with that. You know, others, you know, that we've seen, uh, you know, even, you know, what's going to happen with, you know, just I guess injuries is how long they take to heal and recoup. You know, teams want to invest in that. that'll draft 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 uh, draft stock, and that's going to hurt money down the line. So yeah. I see that point too. You know, and so that's where uh, for me, I, and I tend to go. I've realized over covering college sports since what 2013, 2014, I've been skewing, I've more towards the you know the player side on, on a lot of things. I think this is where. Um, especially, you know, and like I said, I know you said you're not letting the coaches off the hook too, but I feel the players, you know, have a right to like, Hey, you know, I'm protecting my investment this way where they're, they're a bonafide, like, especially like a borderline first, second round pick. Uh, they have, you know, Hey, you know, I understand completely. You know, we haven't seen that from Wisconsin at all uh, in terms of players up and out. And, you know, this is a, I think a tight group and, uh, we'll see how they do coming up next week, which is crazy that we're already talking about the end of 2021. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I hope nobody opts out, but I understand where you're coming from. I just I respect your opinion. I just disagree with it. Uh, oh, I hear you. Because you. <laughs> you can you can tear an ACL against Wofford State, you know, in September or one of those uh, uh, meaningless games later on in the season as well. But anyway, 
It's the bowl game. It's the bowl season, and it's Christmas season. I'm going to play you out with some boys to men. Jake, my friend, we will talk again soon, and I look forward to seeing you in person. Sounds great, man. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to all your listeners. Uh, we'll, uh, I'll be a dad joke here. I'll see you next year. Ah, very nice. We indeed will see you next year. Thanks, Jake. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Y'all yeah, be well. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All right, Jay Kokorowski from BadgerBlitz.com joining us on the podcast and also joining us, of course, on the game night as well. All right, coming up next week, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, and it's going to be with former TMJ4 sports reporter Jesse Garcia, and that's probably where you know Jesse from. That's where I first got to know Jesse Garcia more than a quarter century ago. Uh, she had just started a couple of years prior to me when I first got to 720 East Capitol Drive. I got there in April of 1996. She preceded me by a couple of years, and she's had quite the journey, and she hasn't been on TMJ4 in a long time, almost a decade now, but she went from being a sports reporter to being a university professor to being someone who works behind the scenes, not in television sports, but rather in television news. And starting just after the first of the year, she's going to be taking over CBS 58. And what I think a lot of people don't understand when I say she's the news director at CBS 58, the news director in a television station basically runs the whole thing. Uh, She'll be responsible for hiring and firing. She'll be responsible for guiding the station uh, in terms of how many newscasts they have. Uh, There's only the general manager that's above the news director in a television news station. And the only thing that she doesn't uh, have responsibility or oversight for are the primetime programs that come out of CBS New York. Everything else, Jesse Garcia is going to have her hand in. And it's a big step from someone who, again, a decade ago was a sports reporter at one of the stations down the dial. And now she's running her own shop. But she's also... As you will hear in our interview next week, incredibly qualified and incredibly ready to take on this challenge. So really looking forward to that conversation. It's coming up next week. And, of course, you can stay tuned to all of our social media channels for exactly uh, when we're going to drop this episode. But, uh, again, I think you'll get something out of it because it's a real behind-the-scenes look at what goes into not just television sports, but also what goes into television news and what led her on a path from being a sports journalist on television in front of the camera to running the entire show. Uh, I don't know that it's ever been done before. I'm venturing a guess as to maybe somewhere someone out there went from being a sports reporter to being a news director in television. I don't think it's happened very often, and I don't ever remember hearing about it or seeing anything about it either so jesse garcia may very well be the first it won't be the first time that she's been the first at something but we'll get into that next week as well hope everybody has a very merry christmas and a happy new year and we will talk to you before the new year is uh, here but uh we'll talk to you after christmas as well hope everybody gets whatever you want and more than anything else hopefully we can defeat this whole covid thing go get your shots go get your boosters it will be something that you will 
be thankful for uh, because this Omicron thing is really wreaking havoc on just about every aspect and every facet of life. So anyway, that's uh, me up with my soapbox. I'll get down off of the soapbox. You can check us out on our socials. Uh, you can find us at Doug Russell Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, and you can find everything that we do, including all of our back episodes, at www.dougrussellpod.com. All right, that's it. Have a Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you soon right here on the Doug Russell Podcast. Thank you.